Welcome to TLC for the Soul podcast, where soul meets spirit. You have entered into sacred space. I'm your host, Tammy Lynn Chambers, and I'm here to help you shine. Now let's get going on this podcast journey. Hello, everyone. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining me here on this Sunday Speaks, (laughs) Sunday Speaks episode. If you're new, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for taking a chance and pressing play. Stick around. No, you won't be disappointed in what you are listening to, why you've been guided here. Hold on a second. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much for joining me yet again on another episode. This is, I believe, our 80th, isn't that crazy? Our 80th episode. Oh, actually, this is the 81st, the 81st episode of the podcast, which is so weird, right? Because today I'm recording this on August the 1st, and this is our 81st episode of the year. Yay, congratulations <laughs> to everyone who's shown up, all the guides who have helped make this episode a reality, have, have kept going, persevered throughout the year. Before we get into today's episode, which we are going to be talking about our sacred key number three, so activating our third key from way back. <laughs> If you don't know and you haven't been following that, that's fine. It's you. Well, there's still other things we're going to be talking about. We're also going to be talking about our despacho that we are creating for August. This is um, August. I'm doing a lot of shamanic stuff. I'm just kind of sticking to one thing for August, it seems like, and um, working with um, my shamanic tools and teachings and healings and all of that will be the focus of the podcast for August. And then we're also going to be meeting a teacher, a shamanic teacher. So this morning I woke up. (laughs) I haven't even gotten us into sacred space yet. Let's do that first and then we'll talk about today. So I want to invite you to join me and as always on the podcast you choose how you want to listen You can just sit back and relax and listen to my voice and listen to the ASMR of the woodland creatures that are surrounding the podcast when we work outside on Sundays like we always do. We're blessed to do in this space. You can choose to take your listening experiences octave higher As you join me around the sacred fire circle, as I wrap us all in love light and light love, inviting in the spirit guides and wisdom keepers, soul friends, angels, deities, shaman, (laughs) 
Pleiadians definitely are invited in. It's always a party. It's always a spirit guide party here at TLC for the soul. <laughs> we definitely have our three. Um, our Shaman's Drum deck is very prevalent this month. Shaman's Drum and Twin Hearts, they're brand new decks. The spirit of shaman's drum is very, I, the word shaman is just going to come out a lot today. You're just going to have to deal with it. Um, that's another th way to think about shamanism. I feel it's very earth-based. Um, and I've been noticed, I've been seeing feeling a lot. So feeling like very clear. Oh, what is that? Clear sentient, like when you're feeling a lot of stuff. It's very earth-based. Um, when I finally get around to spreading out all the cards for you and showing you on a video over on YouTube, if you're coming from YouTube, then you'll see what I mean. And before we go there, if you choose to take your listening experience an octave higher, you can invite in your own guides, shaman, angels, medicine folk, witch, witches. All are welcome. All beings of the light are welcome at the TLC for the soul table. We need to do an elder council this month too. I've been wanting to do that with you guys for a while. So the stage is set. We're all here together talking about shamanism, which I feel is very earth-based. Um, there's different types of shaman from different places and spaces. Um, I feel like it is a word somewhat nowadays that is kind of used a little bit loosely. Um, without having full reverence for what it all entails. Because um, I feel like everybody now is just like calling themselves a shaman. And I remember like... Um, when I first kind of started awakening to that Akashic, and maybe, who knows, maybe these people are awakening to their Akashic record as a past life shaman or something. So I can't say that, you know, I can't, I can't just like ditz it like that, but, um, you know, just kind of pay attention to who you're listening to and who you're putting your who you're putting your, why is this coming up? Who you're putting your trust in. Okay, everything that happens and is said in the podcast is part of the podcast, just like any type of, um, you know, reading or client session. or any, Anytime you form a sacred circle, a sacred space, the things that are said, the things that come out during that time as part of that ritual or ceremony or, you know, healing session or whatever are, are part of the session. So when I say things, sometimes what some of you might be like, why the heck? That just sounds so off base. Spirit is having me bring that up for a reason. Is someone from our collective is listening or watching or whatever the case may be and needs to hear that for whatever reason. And you know, it may not be everybody listening right now. These podcast episodes kind of live in perpetuity um, and are available out there, especially the podcast to listen to for a really long time. Even YouTube, I mean, I've seen YouTube videos that are like 12 years old, but I don't feel like people go back in time as much on, on YouTube. But I feel like on podcasts, I definitely see people going way back and listening to old episodes. And I found an episode that I 
I've been wanting to do this for so long and way back in 2016 or something I started some stuff and I found that recently I was like whoa I actually found it and I'm like this is is this relevant anymore and I should I don't know if I kept it or if I deleted it maybe I shouldn't but there were so many iterations. So I think we're talking, I think there's an overall theme of perseverance here today. I just sense that going into August the 1st, a lot of you are, <coughs> we're eight months into the year, and a lot of you are still wondering about um, some of your manifestations. Uh, this is also, today is also Lunessa or Llamas, well, the year turns, and we're, oh, here come deer. <gasps> Oh, babies. Oh, my God, they just crossed the street. It kills me when they do that. Two mothers and two babies. A baby for each one. Okay, and they're going to cross right in front of me. Oh, they're super cute. Deer are such a totem of this podcast. So more deer medicine for you guys. The wheel of the year is turning. I have to stay focused. And um, we're here looking at what we've done for the year. This is what's called typically first harvest. Oh, they're so beautiful. I saw beautiful buck deer yesterday, like amazing horns. I'm going to see what they're doing. They're just walking very calmly. Oh, the babies are so cute, you guys. Oh. Okay. Um. This is just about perseverance, the month of August. But the good thing I feel about this month, as I just get over the deer, they're so cute, is that, um, wow, it's like I'm out. Don't, I've never been at a loss for words before. Okay, let's ground. Let's center people. It's just like a moment of silence <laughs> for all we've done so far before we just jump into the month, I think, is why I'm just being asked to pause. Like, sometimes they just shut my lips <laughs> and I can't say anything as I just watch nature go by and I just pause and, like, be so thankful for this whole year and 81 episodes and all of that. Um... 81 episodes, and I don't know what else is going on. Seven or eight card decks. So if you're listening to this when it drops, within a day or so when it drops, you know, I would just take that reverent moment out of your day to just be thankful. We did talk about gratitude a lot, and that is what this despacho is about. So, okay, help me stay on track. Let's talk about the despacho and our sacred key, and then I want to go into meeting the shaman, the shaman of the month, um, who is going to be working with me. Um, I don't know any other... Uh, do I? I probably do know. In the real world, in the it's not the real world, in the 3D world, I do know and am familiar with some very powerful shamanic teachers, um, some that I've had the opportunity to work with directly, um, like 
kind of a face-to-face -face or one-on-one -on -one interaction and others who've been my teachers. And, um, and I know you all have as well. And the despacho is a, a gift of, it's, it's like a gift, an offering back. And another big um, topic for the month of August was peace offering. And if you listened to the August um, energy update, and you didn't have to, but it is the one, I think two were episodes right before this, uh, we talked about the theme of the month being peace offering, but also breaking it down into peace, the word peace plus offering, and making our life like a walking prayer. And so this despacho, which is basically at its highest level, like a gift, a, a sacred gift that you put together um, where you are offering it back to the spirits of the earth for, um, for blessing. And it's, it's, it just happens by way of the law of karma. So we've been asked, as a, I have been asked, you haven't necessarily been asked, but I have been asked to create a despacho to the spirit of the curandero for the um, gift of a boon, which is a, a, basically like an earth blessing. And so if you all want to participate in the despacho, you can participate and create your own. So I would ask your higher self or your guides or your own inner shaman or whoever to step in and help you understand like, what this is you're creating because when I talked about like who you're listening to like everything we do here to me on this podcast is very sacred very um steeped in you know my Akashic record as all of these lifetimes of the soul of having done all of these things you know at some point and I treat them all with the deepest um, respect and honor for what I'm doing and one of the shamans that we're going to meet today in a little bit here is um, is the same and is going to be a teacher for us this month because I said we'd have a teacher coming in um, because I always want to keep an open mind. So this is this is where they're going with the testing and the and the not and just trusting and not you know trying things out for yourself. So I always want to keep an open mind. I never want to think and I have done this before. I think like I know I know. I know all about this and I find like others around me kind of saying the same thing like my son sometimes she was like I know mom like it's the final answer and it's like well you don't always know and you should always be looking at everything kind of with a beginner's mind which is one of the cards that I drew this morning just personally was innocent maiden which is kind of um, like a beginner's mind type of a card and just because you think you know, you don't always know. And spirit is always quick to correct me when I get into that mind frame of like, you think you know, honey, but you don't always know. You know what you know, and you know what you've been shown, and you know what you have been gifted and blessed to be able to see. Um, but sometimes spirit is not able to show you a whole entire picture of something right away. And so you may only have a limited view of what you know. And such is the case with our shamanic teachings and learnings and everything I think I know as being an initiated shaman. And so I go into this month with the beginner's mind, inviting in other teachers who've also walked the path 
to come in and show me maybe things I don't know but I'm ready to open up to. If you want to create this despacho, I would first get really clear on your intention of why you're doing it. Not just for the boon, right? There has to be, because I think those things do, don't work. Like if it's just you're going to wrap up some paper and throw it out and say like, I'm ready for my blessing now. Um, that's not going to happen because there's a law of reciprocity and what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. I don't exactly know what kind of boon I'm calling in from the spirit of the curandero. I'm thinking it's probably, you know, a deeper level of knowledge and understanding about this shamanic path. But it could be simply something totally, you know, totally different. And I want to, as I undo this, this flask, <laughs> this, this clean canteen, you guys should be proud. You'd be proud of me. Like every time I look at my, I hear myself and I see myself on the podcast, I'm opening up like a plastic water bottle and I have such an abhorrence to plastic. I really do not favor plastic at all. I'm going off on a diatribe, I know. All right, let me come back. But anyway, so this morning I was like, okay, I'm getting my clean canteen and I'm actually drinking rose tea. It's really good. It's um, from this um, Mediterranean restaurant that we go to sometimes and it's just like tea, but it's made with rose water instead of regular water, and it tastes like like roses. It tastes so good, and then they sweeten it, you guys. <laughs> it's like so, so good, but I have to dilute it because it's super strong. I'm talking into the canteen. Hello, hello. It's like the Pleiadians. They're making me not be so serious. Hello, hello, queen canteen. So instead of hearing my water bottle crackling this morning, you're hearing my canteen opening and closing. All right. So going into the dispatch with the beginner's mind. So basically what it is, because you're gifting it back to the earth in some way, um, it's best to create it with something that is biodegradable. So hence like a piece of paper, like a butcher paper or a um, parchment paper, something that will dissolve um, and not like blow up um, because there's different ways. <laughs> There's different ways that you can um, release your despacho. But the most important part of it is um, the things that you put inside of it. So get really clear on your intention. Why am I doing this? Maybe Spirit has a special assignment for you too, because I didn't specifically go into this month saying, I'm here to make a despacho for the Spirit of the Curandero. I was like, what? That wouldn't even have been top of my mind. But that um, energy came in and asked me, so this is also part of like service work, um, when you're asked, when spirit asks you to do a particular assignment, and it could have much more far-reaching effects than just a boon for you. It could be um, bringing in a blessing for your community, which is also part of what a shaman does. A shaman is just not, um, you know, singularly based, like out for themselves. A shaman typically, um, in every... Um, in every culture that I've read about and that I'm aware of, the shaman kind of does live like to themselves, like in a little, you know, shaman's hut or teepee or something, kind of a little bit off from the community um, where they're doing their, their thing. They're, they're always kind of like on the edge of the community, which is me, like totally me. Um, and they're like a part of it, they're in it, but they're not of it. But part of their role and part of their purpose is to heal the community, teach the community, 
lead by example as a leader and I think that is a big part and they are and encompass the three actually four big energies that make up the shaman's drum deck which is the peaceful warrior the powerful warrior the um, <laughs> the the, um, the loving warrior and um, like the 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 divine wisdom, like the smart warrior, the, the not so much cunning, but using like your sacred mind, your sacred heart um, together. So divine knowledge, divine wisdom, divine power, divine love, um, all make up the energies of that deck. And they're a big part of all of the work that I do. And something I'm always looking to strengthen. But the shaman, you know, would work with the community and in many of my books there is a shaman so all of my books if you're new here I write channeled fiction um, and the spirits that have blessed me with their presence in these books which are all free all the ebooks are free to read um, all the links to that stuff if you want to read any of these books that I'm talking about and I will be bringing one up today are in my show notes all my ebooks are free to read, and right now, all of the most of the paperbacks of the ebooks are out on Amazon. But there's shaman in a lot of my books, and that's where we're going to go today in a minute here after we talk about this despacho just a little bit more. So, whatever you're guided to put in, treat your despacho as a sacred ritual, a sacred ceremony. Get your paper and lay it out. Um, charge these things. Find these things. I don't know what you're. I kind of know what I'm going to put in mine. Um, but they should be objects that are meaningful to you that kind of almost in a sense you don't want to part with but you're being asked to part with because you've received that medicine and that medicine has served you and now it's time for that medicine to move on in a sense. And sometimes we see this with like our crystals and our stones or whatever, right? anything that you have that you kind of like have used as a sacred medicine and but now you feel like oh I feel like this is supposed to go to somebody else now kind of a feeling so those might be the little gifties that you put in your thing but you know make sure that they go back to that they're they're you're ready for them to go back to the earth um, I was asked I will speak about this and I don't want this episode to get too too long I guess I need to check myself on my time because you know I could talk for hours oh, already at 22 minutes okay so I was asked by spirit recently to do um, kind of an act of trust and basically take two of my most favorite crystals that I did not want to part with. I was very tied to them and maybe I was too tied to them, but I'd had them for a very long time. They had the medicine is so powerful when the two crystals come together. It wasn't so much they were cool as separate crystals and I didn't even purchase them to be used together but they ended up coming together and when they were used together they were very very powerful and I was asked to separate them and th throw each one of them into a different body of water and I was very um like oh I'm so emotional about it today I even like after I did it it was an act of trust I was asked to do and um spirit was kind of like basically well if you trust us and you trust yourself and you trust your own inner guidance then as an act of that faith and that trust we want you to do this and I did and I'm still waiting for that boon um, to come back I think slowly it is but 
believe me, after I did it, I even contemplated like seriously a few days later, I was like, oh my crystals, I miss them so much. And I wanted to like wade back into the water and get them out. And I was like, spirit was like, what are you doing lady? So just be sure you understand that you're not supposed to get these things back. Um, make them small, like you wouldn't want to put a big giant crystal because what we're going to do with this, and I think maybe next Sunday we'll tie it all up and do the ceremony of releasing it so that we can do it together. So between now and next Sunday, let's get this little um, despacho package ready. So you'll get it together, you'll put the paper out, you'll find your objects and make them like lightweight and small because we're either going to release this package into the water um, or you're going to burn it or you're going to bury it in the earth. Um, that's probably the three most prevalent ways you could do it. Um, unless you somehow made it like a balloon. I don't know how you could release it into the air, but uh, maybe there is a way. So make the things, I know, small enough to float or burn or whatever the case may be. And you will choose how you want to do that. And so you'll put the things during this week, we're going to gather the things, lay out your paper and gather the things, kind of charge them up a little bit um, at night or in the, you know, in the, we're being asked to charge them in the moonlight. You, you may want to do yours differently, but charge them up somehow on your altar space or whatever. And just think about the medicine that you got from each one and why you're being asked to let that thing go now. Maybe you're done with that lesson or, you know, who knows, maybe this spirit of whoever you're releasing this, whatever you, the reason you're making this despacho for, um, this is a, a totem back to them or a message back to them of some sorts. And just be open-minded about the boon that you're going to get in terms of everything about it. Um, when it's supposed to happen, what it is, why it's coming, um, just have an open mind about that. But know that you would never be asked to do anything. So this is kind of a test too about the trust. Like you're never going to be asked to do anything that goes against your intuition. Don't just make a despacho because I'm saying to make a despacho. Like test it out. Treat this as a test, as a trust test. Um, if it resonates with you and you're like, wow, it's so cool, I want to try it. Um, then this is your experiment and your time to test it out and try it. Never take anything I say as for, you know, even though I do have a story called Blind Faith, um, you know, never take anything that is said without testing it out for yourself, um, seeing if it resonates with you and, you know, then deciding to do it. So we will work with this throughout the week. I am doing a smaller series this week um, and it will be ongoing of the healing that I'm bringing in for folks. We're going to be doing quick journeys. Um, so there'll be quick shamanic journeys. I forgot my rattle today because I guess I need to do that later. Um, but I want to do seven journeys between now and Lionsgate. So I may upload another one today. But yesterday we did what did I most need to know in this now. These are under 15 minute journeys. You can do them very quickly. There, this one was a drum journey. And then later today, I'll probably be uploading a rattle one and they all have different themes. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Now let's move into our sacred key, number three. For those of you that have been following the keys, um, the key activations from our scavenger hunt and treasure map. We are finally closing out. <laughs> We've made it since the end of June. We have been working on this treasure map and this um, 
the scavenger hunt from our Divine Masculine SOS and Sisters for the Sword episodes for the Divine Masculine and the Divine Feminine. We found three things and we're on sacred key number three. We've activated the other keys and I can make a playlist for that whole series. Um, you know, if you want to start, but it's almost like really honestly too late to start that now. Okay, gotta stand up. Sorry, you guys. Ooh, I gotta go to the shade. It's getting too hot for me. My sacred key is a Lego beekeeper. It's the first key that I found. And I've come to realize it's meaning for me. It's all about leadership of many things because a beekeeper is like a project manager of bees in a sense. Um, I've got a lot of projects going on. Um, I'm working with you all in community. I'm working in my own community. Um, so I'm just doing a lot of the things. But to me, a beekeeper is like, again, going back to the sacredness of stuff, a beekeeper is like a sacred job in a sense. Um, if you take it, if you choose to see it that way, you can 3D eyes anything, 3D eyes. You can 3D eyes anything and just see it for what it you know, is on the surface. But, oops, getting all hyper here. But to me, um, a beekeeper is a sacred responsibility called modern, modern Melissa's beekeepers way back in the day used to be women in many cultures. And, um, you know, I take this role very seriously. Well, seriously is maybe not the right word, but it is sacred to me because I want to have fun with it too. So seriously makes it seem like, you know, I'm just like reverent all the time and I'm not. Um, anyway, so if you've made it to this point, you may have already begun to see inklings of your third key being activated for whatever it is for you. Mine's the beekeeper. I don't know what you guys is, but, um, let's see how this microphone does with the wind because there's a lot of wind right now it's got a wind cat meerkat or whatever on the microphone so august is going to fully activate your sacred key number three and i've already felt that and my whole month of august to me seems already full of um work sacred work um i don't even want to go into it all now in the sense of time <laughs> but suffice it to say that the New card decks are coming out. Um, new books are being written. There's a lot of podcast episodes coming up. And there's just a lot of inner, inner stuff, you know, to work on. New things, new things to learn, I think, is what's coming up for me. So I would just say to formally activate that key, I would take it out. And I would sit with it today in your um, wheel of the year turning kind of review mode before you just jump into the month of August. And I would really just ask that sacred key what it expects of you for this month, um, why it's here, why it came, and um, get really clear on how you're going to work with that because for me like I can see a lot of projects but I can also see the fact that I only have so much energy to expend on those projects and so for me being the beekeeper or the modern the modern Melissa and the project manager that I, I am inherently it just comes to me to manage like a lot I can manage a lot of stuff 
just a quick diatribe. It's not a diatribe, but I remember when I started in IT way, 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 way back. Was it 1999? In 1999, when I started in IT um, as a business analyst, slash, it really was project manager. They just didn't want to call it that because they didn't want to give you the cash that came behind it, but they made you do it. They made you, believe me, you were a project manager. Um, I remember I had no training. I didn't go to college. At, I went to college, but like that was just a waste of my time. I went to college for a little bit, and I was like, this is just a waste of time and a waste of good money. And um, so I didn't have any like quote-unquote formal training, but being a project manager was just inherent to my soul. And um, I remember going to the training. They took us from Texas to California. It was our office. And we went to training for this this job for like maybe about a week a bunch of us were together and it was so cool that was one of those I talked about this on my episode Mobius strip you have to go way back but um, I remember I had no like what and I remember that my um, manager is saying well here's your projects and she gave me like a stack of like 20 papers and each one was a project and it's like okay you're supposed to manage all the you're supposed to you know all the stuff and you're supposed to make sure that they all you know happen and and um, get done and these are IT projects so for me I was managing projects for um, our external facing websites and stuff and working with third-party vendors and believe me I have a lot of experience there and so, but somehow the inherent project manager in me was able to grab those 20 papers, lay them all out and figure out exactly what needed to be done. And I wasn't, and the funny thing was I wasn't even nervous about it. I was really excited about it. So for any of you with your career, um, stuff coming up where you feel like it's time to make a change, um, <clears throat> sometimes these things magically come to you and you don't have to do anything to seek them out. And that could be the boon that is going to be coming to you as a result of your despacho. Maybe it is, it's going to have one of, you know, several meanings, right? It could be career-based, like maybe you're thinking about moving into a more spiritually-based business or heart-based business. They're not all, everybody's not going to be a psychic and a shaman. Um, but maybe it is calling in a sacred partner believe me to, i'm sorry but for those of you that want to be alone um i think sacred partnerships are very very important um so much happens when two spiritually based people come together in that kind of a um, relationship um it's just so much more it's oh, we've talked about this before what the energy creates so many of you have a dharma or a soul contract aka soul contract to be in a sacred partnership and maybe some of you don't maybe you are walking the shaman's path and you are just going to be alone for the rest of your 3d incarnation here in this lifetime and that's your soul path But what I have noticed, and I will say this, is all the shaman that I write about, and I don't write about them, so all of my books are channeled, meaning they're all come out via automatic writing. Um, the, pers the energies of the book, the spirits of the book come to me, and um, I just channel them in, and they just come out as these fictions. We call them fiction stories, but really anything that's created like that lives somewhere in the astrals which is, you know, a, a realm of the emotional world. And so all these stories live out there somewhere. And that's one of the reasons I kind of create these stories is to bring more light-based stories into kind of what's already out there. Because there's some scary, horrible stories out there. And I'm just trying to balance out some of that as well. So without further ado, I will say all the shaman that have been coming through 
because we talked about a shaman historically being, you know, living on the edge of the community, kind of a solo-based lifestyle where, you know, they have, they just like live alone and they just heal the community. All the shaman that have been coming into these books have ended up or are headed towards some sort of a sacred partnership with another um, equally as powerful or potentially more powerful teacher and partner. And oh, that's why you guys are leading me. Now I know, now I understand why you showed me this chapter. Okay, so what we're going to do, if I can get all of my goodies straight here, I don't want to leave my canteen behind. What we're going to do is we're going to read from Moxie and Roses. So this is my f the first book in the Thunder Rose collection. I wrote this way back in, um, I don't even know now, maybe 2017, 2016, 2017. Um, and what first came to me was the forest, the Thunder Rose Woods. Um, the spirit of the forest is very um, deeply ingrained in my Akash. And anytime a forest comes to me, I'm like, yes, I'm so interested in it. And um, the forest came, and then Pamela and Edgar and Moxie and Diego and Amber and all of the my friends of this book came to me. And when I channeled who we're going to read about today, this, we're going to read this little chapter to introduce you to Edgar River Whitetail who is a, um, he doesn't like to be called, they're calling him, they call him a horse whisperer, but he does not like that title at all. And we're gonna be working with him this month. Um, he comes up in both books, um, Moxie and Roses and um, The Stallion Returns. And I see him ascending, going through like his own ascension awakening process um, throughout these two books and this is kind of an homage to the uh, the third book that I'm going I keeps every month I say I'm gonna write a book and I'm like okay I have to get back to the practice of doing it is what it is so I'm hoping that by me reading this to you guys it keeps me accountable for staying on track and writing this third book um, which is the wooden box with the cross on its lid um, and getting more into that and I think Edgar is going to play even more prominent part in that but I do want to read you because the chapter, this morning when I woke up, I'm like, I don't want to do an episode of Sunday episode without a story because we always have something to read. And um, I really enjoy that. To me, it's just not the same if I don't bring in like a channeled story <laughs> because the stories always have metaphors and meanings to the energy of what we're working with in this now as well. And so I enjoy bringing that to you guys. But I said, I don't have anything written. I haven't channeled anything lately. I've just kind of been laying low on writing stuff. And um, they said, okay, well, Edgar's coming. Edgar's like, I, hello. Like he was the first thing when I woke up, I heard his name and I'm like, why is he here? And um, they had me go back to the book, Moxie and Roses. I have the actual book in front of me. And the chapter that they wanted me to read is funny because we're, we said we're, we're um, bringing in Edgar. He is a very powerful native um, medicine keeper and shaman and um, indigenous to, um, you know, if you have to like put a pin on a map, you know, he is indigenous to like the Oklahoma-ish area of the United States. Um, and Thunder Rose Forest is an etheric I don't believe it to be a physical, maybe it is, maybe it is an ascended physical, uh, ascended aspect of a physical force somewhere, but um, Thunder Rose Ranch is technically 
somewhere in the Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas area. Um, all these fun goings on happen in and around that space. But they drew me to chapter two, and I find this so interesting too, because chapter two, you know what I mean, divine counterparts. When I wrote chapter two, it was channeled in as Pamela and Edgar, not just Edgar by himself, but Pamela and Edgar in the second chapter, so two. So I wanna read this chapter to you. If you don't wanna hear it, that's fine. You can drop off now, it's just a couple pages long, but it does set the stage for this whole month, the type of energies that are coming in and the type of shamanic work that I find to be so powerful and exciting and bringing in Edgar, who's a very, um, very, just, uh, just a very powerful wisdom keeper to work with us throughout the month of August. So this is from my book, Moxie and Roses, Pamela and Edgar. Pamela Cartwright didn't know what to do next as she stood up from her makeup table. Her chef, Marguerite, was already in the kitchen preparing breakfast, and she handed Pamela a steaming mug of her favorite coffee as she entered the kitchen. Sipping the strong brew, Pamela decided to go out to the stables to double-check on the horses. She had already been out once early that morning after hearing a commotion coming from out back. She was deep in sleep and had been awakened by the tense whinnying of the horses. This was more than a little anxiety, she thought as she could hear them kicking their stalls from all the way up in her bedroom. I just want to check something real quick. Okay, all right. She thought maybe Luke had forgotten to bolt up the stable doors and some raccoon or God forbid larger animal had made its way inside. The horses could be spooked by almost anything, but when she had made it out to the barn, she didn't see a thing. The stable door was locked, and when she went inside, there was nothing. But the horses were spooked just the same, and this was the third time this month. It was time to call Edgar, she thought, a little too excitedly. Edgar River Whitetail was Thunder Rose's equivalent to a horse whisperer, although he wouldn't knowingly accept such a title. Edgar lived up on the Oklahoma Plains and rode his big Appaloosa down to Thunder Rose to spend the winters there. No one knew quite where he lived, but it was rumored he had a small cabin by a river and that he lived there alone. Edgar liked to bunk with the horses when he was at Thunder Rose, much to Pamela's dismay. She would have preferred to have him in her bed, but she figured he might warm to that in time. Although he didn't show her the slightest bit of amorous attention, she was convinced that deep down he really lusted for her just like all the others. Pamela was forever trying to find excuses to be around Edgar when he was there, but he preferred to ride out on the open range, taking a different horse each time. Pamela paid him handsomely as he was the only one who could tame or heal the most unruly or sickened horse. She didn't know how he did it. She just knew that whatever he did worked. Word had gotten around Stratford that Pamela had herself a magic horse healer and everyone who owned a horse or ran a horse business, which was pretty much everyone in town, wanted to see what Edgar had to offer. But Pamela didn't like to share and was keeping him all to herself, avoiding anyone who wanted to come by to drop off their troubled horse to the quote-unquote whisperer, as they called him, so that he could give it a look over. 
Edgar knew full well what Pamela was up to, but he accepted that this was just her way, and the joy he got from being at the ranch outweighed the petty stuff that came up between them. And he had 600 acres to escape into, so it wasn't hard to avoid her. He knew that she thought she fancied him, but he knew the real truth behind her so-called affection. One day he hoped to share that truth with her. Pamela and Edgar had met at a horse auction up in Oklahoma when he was first starting out. The then 25-year-old Pamela was instantly drawn to the young Edgar, who was there to buy a pony for himself after losing the last one in a trade he made with a fellow soul brother. He had received a year's worth of bison for the horse and figured that it was Jack's time to go, on a new, go to a new home anyway. He used to believe in keeping a horse for life, but that was before the accident. It had been a lazy summer afternoon, and he had decided to take his favorite pony Matilda out on the range for an overnight ride. He was 19 and was just ready to show himself that he could do this horse healing thing. The overnight ride was a sort of vision quest as he sought the approval of his gods and the thunder beings for his healing work. He had saddled up Matilda and they spent the entire day riding up to Cracker Ridge to the point where he would spend the night. Cracker Ridge got its name from the cracked rocks that lined the ridge. It was a tough, steep ride to the top, but the view and the satisfaction of making the point were the reason he chose to ride there in the first place. It had started to rain as an unexpected storm blew in, and halfway to the top, Matilda had slipped, and her forefoot had gotten caught in a crack, badly turning the pastern right above the hoof. The horse had groaned in pain and gone down right there. He couldn't get her back up, and he could see the leg was badly broken. He'd had Matilda since she was a foal, and the sight of her in so much pain made his heart ache. He knew what he had to do, but the pain in his heart felt like it was piercing his soul. He had taken on an old code as his when he had completed his training, learning his healing art from the best of the best, Moon Eagle. The code, as with any healing modality, was something to the effect of doing no harm. But he could see that in this situation, the code must be broken. There was no way Matilda was going to make it. He could feel it in her when he ran his hands above her body as the healer in him had taken over. Even she knew she wasn't going to make it. So he had done the only thing he knew how to do, and that was that. The vision quest had turned into an initiation of sorts as he left Matilda's body and walked the rest of the way up to the point. He cursed the ridge, God, and everything else he could think of as tears streamed down his face. And as he sat overnight up on the cold, dark ridge, what was supposed to have been a celebration of his power turned to a dark night of the soul. Of course he wanted to continue healing, but he would never keep a horse for longer than he felt necessary. When young Pamela had first seen Edgar at the auction, she had caught her breath. He was, she thought, possibly the sexiest and powerful look, most powerful-looking man she had ever seen at over six feet tall and lanky, with long, silky black hair under a cowboy hat that had an eagle feather pointing out of the brim. He's already using eagle medicine. Oh, my God. He was wearing a medicine bag around his waist, and his denim shirt was open, exposing his chest and a tattoo of something Pamela couldn't quite make out, but she had definitely wanted to get closer and try. Edgar had noticed Pamela, too, 
but not for the reasons she thought. He had wondered why such a beautiful woman was hiding behind so much makeup and pretension. He thought that if she could only wash off all the lipstick and face paint, quote-unquote face paint, that she would possibly be the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. He wanted to walk right up and tell her that, but usually his direct method of communication didn't go over well with most folks that didn't know him. So he decided to keep quiet and just observe. He noticed she was buying quite a few horses and all quality choices. He wondered what such a young girl was going to do with all those ponies and had decided to strike up a conversation. They had instantly clicked and had shared a tobacco pipe together after the auction ended. He was surprised that she had accepted the pipe and thought maybe she was just being polite. But she told him that her father had been a civil engineer in charge of overseeing the development of native lands and had done his share of peace pipe smoking. She had secretly taken his pipe on more than one occasion as the small habit made her feel powerful knowing she was able to hide something from her father who always thought she was the perfect princess. <sighs> Just as God was getting dizzy, you guys. I have to look up from this book. And as I look at that and look down, okay, the Pleiadians, as I look at that, I think I'm dizzy and look down. The next sentence is, Pamela had gotten dizzy. Oh, remember to breathe. From all the smoke and a little tipsy from the sips out of Edgar's flask. She opened up to him a little too easily, he thought back then, sharing that she was fresh out of a nasty divorce from Amber's father, Quint. Quint was the son of a multimillionaire and had fallen hard for the 18-year-old beauty queen. However, after two years of marriage and baby Amber, Quint had left her for a bouncy stripper he met one weekend in Vegas. Pamela's end of the deal had been Thunder Rose Ranch, winning it in the divorce only if she would give up any and all other rights to Quint's money. She had agreed and now was the owner of a 600-acre ranch that had a spooky backstory. Pamela had offered Edgar a job on the spot when she heard he worked with horses. She didn't need to know his qualifications. She just knew she wanted him around and she could see by the way he handled his horse that he was a natural with them. Her father had told her stories of the native healers he had seen on his trips into the Nebraska and Montana tribal lands, and now she was infatuated with having found a healer of her own. She wanted them all to herself. Asking him to move into the ranch to oversee the horses, Edgar, not always seduced by money, unless the occasion warranted, decided to take Pamela up on her offer on his terms. He would spend most of the year in Oklahoma working the ranches he knew there, and then he would come down to Thunder Rose and spend the winters there. Pamela, not wanting to lose him, accepted the offer. That had been 17 years ago, and he had been coming faithfully every winter. Although it wasn't quite winter yet, Pamela was unnerved by unexplained events that had started within the past several months. Some would describe them as ghostly, but Pamela wasn't sure about that. On a few occasions, Billy had seen a figure in the fog that hadn't responded when he called out to it. This was over in the back pasture, and he'd come back from his fence inspection and gone right inside the gatehouse without saying a word. Then Luke had been out on the tractor bringing in hay late one afternoon, and someone or something had run right in front of him and into the trees. He couldn't quite make out what it was, and he didn't believe in ghosts, so he wasn't accepting that from anyone. Then Amber had heard strange noises coming from the gatehouse one night. It sounded like bells tolling. But 
That was impossible. The only bell on the ranch was the dinner bell that Marguerite would ring for meals, and that was way up at the main house. This sounded like church bells tolling and scared Amber so much she couldn't go near the gatehouse for a week. So Pamela decided that winter or not, she was going to ask Edgar to come down early. She didn't think he would decline, but she never knew what mood she might catch him in when she called. He didn't have a cell phone, or a home phone for that matter. She had to call Flank's general store in Broken Arrow and leave a message for him. If it was really important, then Tim, the clerk, would send his son down to whatever ranch Edgar was working at to deliver the message. If it wasn't urgent, then the message was delivered when Edgar came into the store once a week for supplies. Pamela decided this was definitely an urgent message and didn't care if Edgar agreed with that or not. He simply must come down now and help figure out what was going on. She knew if anyone could, it was him. She had seen him on many occasions work with all manner of things that he called tools, but to her looked like feathers and bones and who knows what else. She heard him speak of his helping spirits and guides and how he could clear negative energy and bring healing down from the heavens. She really felt like Thunder Rose needed some healing energy right about now. She called the general store and left an urgent message with Tim. Please come as soon as you can. We have something here that needs your immediate attention, Pam. Tim agreed to send his son right away for Edgar, who was working at the Elliott Ranch, herding the steer with the others in a weekend roundup. Then Pamela was left to wait for Edgar to contact her, or in some cases he would just show up. It would take a while for him to ride down to Stratford on Opal, his newest pony, but she was willing to wait. She only hoped he arrived before something more sinister happened. <laughs> so a shaman is coming, a shaman is coming. <laughs> okay, so we're going to be working with our new teacher this morning and this month, Edgar River Whitetail and the folks at Thunder Rose Ranch. Play around, play around, look at your third sacred key as we go into the activation of that, how that's going to play with you for the month of August. And then let's get crafting our despachos together and we will come back to those throughout the week and just see how you're doing as I've gone really long on this episode. For those of you that have stuck it out this whole entire time, I want to thank you so much for listening to me. Um, these really, working with you all in this way really makes my day. So we will see you all again soon in the next episode. Take care. This episode has been brought to you by the Thunder Rose Ranch and Forest a sacred place where the beings of light surrounding its etheric location are here to teach love to all humanity. We want to thank you so much for joining us. Take care. <laughs>